get a life, will you, people? I mean, for, for crying out loud, it's, it's just a TV show. Hello again, everyone. This is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 52 for May the 21st, 2006. It's a nice Sunday morning here, and we're going to have a real good show. We're going to talk about a great Deep Space Nine episode, uh, a recent convention that I went to, and a few other good things. So stand by. Here we go. So that makes him a war criminal just being there. If you'd seen the things I saw. Oh no, don't you see? I have to be punished. We all have to be punished. Here uh, we are again for another great show of Treks in Sci-Fi. This is your host, Rico, and I'd like to welcome everyone to the program. Just want to say to begin with that this show is sponsored in part by YouBuyNow.com, your source for collectibles and other cool stuff. Check out, uh, go to YouBuyNow.com and use the code TrekSF or Treks in Sci-Fi to save 10% on all your collecting needs. So, Take a, take a look at what they've got. They got some really new, um, neat stuff there. I just looked there. Oh, Friday, I think this past week, a couple of days ago. Actually, I ordered myself a new lightsaber. Like I needed more of that stuff. But uh, anyway, check them out. Um, well, to begin with, I think what I'd like to talk about uh, to start. Let's just go over what we're gonna do on this show and kind of an outline of it, and then I will get into the the detail. Uh, overall, we're going to go over a few uh, emails, uh, talk about a little recent convention I went to yesterday in, in my area, and we will be talking about a Deep Space Nine episode called Duet, which is a real powerful episode from Season 1 of Deep Space Nine. Uh, it's a real heavy Kira episode, so if you're if you're not familiar with that, you'll, you will be after you listen to this show. And then, of course, we'll have a collectible, and I've got another contest that's going to come up at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. Well, the first thing I'd like to talk about is a recent convention that I went to yesterday here in, uh, well, it's about 10, 15 miles from where I live. Uh, I live in the Michigan area, the sort of Detroit suburbia area. And this, every May, they have a, a very large, actually, for this area. It's called the Motor City Comic Con. And it's basically in a, in a real huge location. This year, they actually had it in a new location called the Rock Financial Center, which is just a huge, huge building, uh, large enough to actually have multiple things going on at the same time. But this year's uh, Motor City Comic Con, was, was they did a real good job. I, I, I enjoyed it yesterday. A lot of guests were there. Uh, they have basically, you know, a lot of comic book artists and then, of course, media stars, people from Star Trek. And this year, actually, they had every, well, a lot of, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people from the original 60s Batman series, Adam West, Burt Ward, Yvonne Craig, uh, Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, they were all there uh, signing autographs, and, and I think they're speaking, actually, today there, 
giving a little talk uh, because actually this year, uh, along with Star Trek, this is the 40th anniversary of the 1960s Batman series, which growing up was, you know, the funny thing is, is I never really watched the original Star Trek series when it was first on the air. Uh, it was, I, I was pretty young, of course, but I, one thing I did watch when I was real young was Batman along with, you know, every other little kid around and it's kind of interesting. They both they both premiered in 1966 uh, in the same year, Star Trek and the campy uh, Pow Zowie Batman series from the 60s. And Adam West, of course, is is still working quite a bit. He does a lot of voiceover work. He he does a voiceover. Uh, he sort of plays himself on this uh, funny animated series on Sundays, at least in the states here, called Family Guy, which which is a a, a real funny show that I enjoy. And they, they all look like they're doing pretty good. Uh, I didn't, like I said, the, the talk with Adam West and the Batman stars is, is today, but I did see them signing autographs. And I, I've got some photos. I'm going to try to upload some of these photos to my uh, Flickr account, which you can get to off of the main webpage at treksf.com. So look for that in the next coming days. I'll try to get a little folder up there of Comic-Con pictures. Primarily, I uh, the, the two things that I saw yesterday and were interested in, one was Brent Spiner was their data from, of course, The Next Generation. And he gave an hour-long talk, uh, and he's a real nice guy. He, he's a real funny guy. He took a lot of questions. I actually asked him a question. That I asked him about his time when he did the um, Enterprise series. He did, a, I think it was a, was it a three-parter or a two-parter, maybe a three-parter, where he played like a, an ancestor of uh, Sung, who created data, um, and that that was a story about uh, genetic engineering a little bit and that kind of thing. A real good uh, multi-part episode in the last season of Enterprise. So I asked him a question about uh, what it was like to work on that set, and he he uh, he, he sounds like he enjoyed it a lot. Uh, seems like he's doing really well. And uh, the funny thing is, I uh, after the talk, I walked back to the main room, and uh, I had to use the restroom, and. and and who's walking in like right in front of me? But Data, Brent Spiner. So, hey, you know, you haven't lived until you're up next to a urinal next to a Data. So uh, that was kind of interesting. And the funny thing is he's he's washing up and there's a guy asking him questions. And he says something like to this guy asking him, I, you know, I'd shake your hand, but I don't think you really want to shake my hand right now. You know, just after he used the facilities, let's say. So uh, that was kind of funny. Uh, but he gave, a, like I said, he, he talked about a few things he's working on right now. He's got a, a, a kind of a lower budget movie coming out, which he wasn't really all that. He, he doesn't, you know, he's really honest. He, he, he admits some of these movies that he's done uh, over the years have not been the greatest, and he, he doesn't doesn't hold anything back on that. So that w- that was kind of uh, kind of good that you know and refreshing that that you're you know you can still do these things and, and be honest about what what the work turns out to be like. So. Uh, so Brent Spiner was there, and I listened to him and, and that, and got a few pictures. Got quite a few pictures. It's difficult to take pictures of people when they're when they're up, uh, standing up, moving around, uh, and giving a, a talk because they don't tend to stand still very well. So I, I must have taken I don't know a dozen, couple dozen pictures with a digital camera. Of course, it's easy, but uh, there's only a few that I think are kind of okay that came out. But I'll I'll look uh, and find the good ones and put them up on Flickr. The other uh, person that I, I got a chance to listen to and took some pictures was Karen Allen, of course, uh, Marion in the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. She was there signing autographs and gave a little hour-long talk also, and 
she seems really, really nice. She's very intelligent, and and she also laughs a lot. She has that same kind of, I, I don't, I don't know, or the same kind of personality. A lot of what Marion had in Indiana Jones uh, seems to be Karen Allen, and and vice versa, or whatever. And I ask a question of what she thought about. Uh, because actually the audience wasn't asking a lot of questions about Indiana Jones. They were asking about Raiders of the Lost Ark a little bit and what it was like to work on that, but nothing specific about another indie movie. And I asked her what she thought about the idea of a new uh, Indiana Jones film, Indiana Jones 4, and, and she said it, it. she's hoping that it will, will happen. She knows that she she says she's been, been talking to people about it, and uh, she says they're they're really having a hard time coming up with a good script, I guess, of course, that they're all happy about it was her main thing and she's also um it sounds like that they they're really going to try to to include her in the movie somehow and maybe even kate capshaw uh willie scott from the second one from uh, temple of doom but i don't know who knows what'll end up happening this this uh, movie idea and storyline idea has has gone up and down and around so many ways and so many times you know, I'm starting to have my doubts whether it'll ever happen. I, I actually, I do think it will happen eventually. It's just, I really hope that it hasn't been too long and they, they haven't been spending too much time spinning their wheels to get this done. So I, I hope they do a good job and come up with a decent story and script for uh, doing another Indiana Jones movie. So yeah, overall, this this was a lot of fun. There was a lot of stuff for sale. I, I picked up a couple of comics. I I was very tempted by a few things, but I just kind of held off for now. They had a couple of good deals and some uh, some props and a statue that I've been interested in, and a, a couple other things. But I most of it you can find online, eBay, and other places. So there was nothing that really went you know and jogged at me and said you got to buy this, you got to buy it. So. Uh, so that was the the Comic Con. There was uh, there were a lot of people in in costumes. Also, a lot of uh, Star Wars type characters, Darth Vader's. There was a guy, a couple of people that I walked in with that were dressed up as Darth Vader that were shorter than me, and I'm about six four. And even in these guys in their Darth Vader costumes, something something wrong about a short Darth Vader. It just it's just not right. Uh, the uh, these guys needed to get some lifts in their shoes or buy bigger boots or something like that, but. Uh, the uh, they also had like I said they had a lot of Jedi and stormtroopers running around. They had a good group that were dressed up because of the Batman thing that were dressed up as Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. And I got a good, pretty good photo. They were pretty good about posing, and, and they had some they had um, they had some opportunities because they also had a lot of vehicles there. They had a good replica of the Batmobile from the '60s, the A Team van, uh, Starsky and Hutch car. Dukes of Hazard car, all that kind of stuff. So it was a good time. I usually go to this each year. It's in the spring, right around in mid-May, usually about the same time each year. And and I thought this year was a good job. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, it always amazes me how many people go to these things and are interested in this kind of stuff. It it didn't, you know, a long time ago, it didn't seem like it was quite like that. Um, but they, it was a really good crowd. They, they were really um, good, and it was in a good good location i'm glad i'm glad they moved to this new location it's a little better a little more comfortable inside of it so um and i think that's all i wanted to mention like i said keep an eye out on the Flickr thing uh, i will post some photos i'll probably i've probably got about 10 10 or 12 good photos i think i can put up online and keep an eye out for that and now we're going to shift gears and do some uh audio and some email from listeners incoming transmission captain 
Okay, the first uh, the first thing I wanted to play, uh, Kenny from California last week, uh, I apologize, uh, he had sent a couple of comments in, one about the Show 50 thing, and he also had another good comment about uh, Star Trek Four, which I talked about and reviewed kind of and discussed last uh, on last week's podcast. So I'm going to play his commentary on Star Trek Four because, uh, frankly, with I had about, I don't know, eight or ten different comments that I, I did on the show, audio comments, it, it kind of slipped through. I knew I had stuff from Kenny to play, and I played his 50th uh, well wishes comment. But here's his comments on Star Trek Four. Better late than never, Kenny. So here you go. Hey, Rico. It's Kenny from California. Just wanted to talk about Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. This was the first Star Trek movie that I can remember watching the entire movie and really enjoying. Uh, I saw the original motion picture, but I fell asleep uh, when I was younger. Um, so this was my first exposure to Star Trek, and I have to say, this is what piqued my whole interest in the whole Star Trek genre. Of course, I've gone back and I've watched the motion picture, The Wrath of Khan, and The Search for Spock, and I've really enjoyed those movies. But I think Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, has a special place in my heart, because it's what brought me into the whole Star Trek world and I'll never forget that so this is definitely a movie close to my heart and one of my favorite Star Trek motion pictures thanks well thank thank you Kenny for that uh, nice commentary about Star Trek 4 and uh, I didn't realize uh, that before you had sent that in that that was kind of really what got you interested in Star Trek I know you were uh, you're more of a next generation fan and and you also enjoy the um, the original series but I think that it sounds like Star Trek Four was what really got you started on that, so that's interesting. Yeah, it was a good movie. They, uh, like I said, uh, talked about a lot of it last week. It, I think it's a, it's a good movie to get people into Star Trek if they're not really into it, because again, I think it has a nice story and it's not heavy on the Star Trek isms that they usually throw in. So, uh, so that's good. And the next uh, comment here from a, from one of my uh, listeners and a forum member is is Anthony. Uh, Who's on the forums is Risky Godfather. He uh, he sent in an audio comment about the uh, the fiftieth show and wishing me well on, on on that and everything. He didn't quite get it in in time for last week's show, but I wanted to still play it for you guys. And this is what Anthony had to say. So listen to this. Hey Rico, it's Anthony, also known as Risky Godfather, on the Traction Sci-Fi forums. Um, I just wanted to make this recording because. For your 50th episode, I wasn't able to send in any audio comment, and I wanted to congratulate you on the Milestone 50 podcasts, and I've enjoyed every single one of them. I started listening on, I think, your fourth one, and uh, I've listened to them all, and I I love every one of them, and uh, usually when I've had a hard day at school or just a hard day in general... I just uh, come home, put on your podcast, and and uh, that's pretty much what I do. And um, so, thank you very much for 50 podcasts. And I also had a question for you. In uh, and I don't know the answer to this, so I was wondering if you might know. In Star Trek Four, um, when they use the sun to slingshot around and go back in time, I was wondering um, why they didn't use the um, start they if you remember from one episode i believe um <clears throat> it was the naked time and they started the engines before they were on they had to start them quickly 
and uh, they went back in time. I was just wondering why they didn't use that in Star Trek Four, and uh, so maybe if you know the answer, just um, I guess say it on the next podcast. So thank you for fifty podcasts, Rico. Hope to hear five hundred more. Okay, bye. Well, thanks a lot for that uh, nice comment there, Kent. Uh, uh, sorry, Kenny, not Anthony. Uh, you guys uh, really, really always uh, helps to hear from uh, people that enjoy the podcast. Um, Anthony, as far as the how you know what method Kirk and company uses to go back in time, and that they didn't use the whole naked time restart the engines cold and and that to go back, I think it's it's difficult to say. I, I've never really heard a real strong definitive answer, but. You know, I think every time they've they've time traveled, it's almost always been a, a slightly different version of it. One thing you got to keep in mind with Star Trek Four, though, is that they're in this Klingon bird of prey. So you've got to keep that in mind that maybe the engine restart method they weren't really that familiar with their tech and and the Klingon technology. So maybe that wasn't really a, a reasonable way to do it for that under those conditions. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And this slingshot gravitational thing around the sun somehow puts them into this weird time-space thing and allows them to slingshot back into time. Again, they're they're not real consistent, and and they don't you know they don't go heavy into the hows and the whys of all of all that. It's just it's a it's a means to an end, you know, in order for them to go back in time, get the whales, and so on. So I. I would I would sort of chalk it up a little bit to that they're using a Klingon bird of prey to do this, and and they don't maybe they're not as familiar with that technology, but you know it's Star Trek, and and frankly they come up with something new just about every show, and and the consistency with time travel is not really always been there, at least in my opinion for that. So I don't know if that helps answer your question at all, but that's at least my view and take on it. Okay, I've got a couple of emails I wanted to go through. This one uh, I'll read here a little bit is from somebody named Craig uh, Craig Sanderlin, and he says, I, I just started listening to your podcast, and I'm only up to episode two. I've known about it for a while, but I've held off because I've been finishing up some patio books and I wanted before I wanted to start something new. I enjoy your show. I like to hear the other people's views on episodes. And he says, uh, Craig says, I was wondering if you held out any hope that the Star Trek MMORPG uh, massive online game w- was in development would be any good. I was wondering what they will do with the timeline. It would be great if they had different servers that you could experience different adventures. Uh, if they stick with the series of next gen, let's hope that they have a holodeck so you can play some original content, original series content. I think he's thinking if they had a holodeck, you could do lots of different things. Um, well, Craig, uh, thanks for your email. The the MMO game for Star Trek, I, they've I've talked about it a little bit in the past. They've got some preliminary information out. It looks like it's supposed to be set in the next generation time frame. And the idea, I think, is you're going to be playing, uh, starting out kind of as a cadet, something like that, and then work your way up in ranks and eventually end up on a ship and have, you know, different people on the ship will have different functions and somehow you'll work together on missions who knows how this is all going to turn out? Um, Star Wars, they tried to do galaxies, and that that kind of went through all kinds of problems. It's it's difficult to say right now whether I mean, of course, I, I'm going to try it. I, I, it's a Star Trek um, MMO game. I mean, uh, why wouldn't uh, I? I mean, I'm obviously yeah, definitely going to try it out. I have to be honest though and say that when games 
go down these kinds of paths, I, I do have my doubts a little bit. I, I think it's difficult to take a particular strong um, sort of, uh, what am I trying to say, intellectual property like Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, something that's very, people know it very well, and then take all that content and information and turn it into a game that both satisfies you for as a Star Trek fan, perhaps, and also satisfies you on a game level. So that that's a tough one to do. It, it much it would be much easier to create just a space based MMO game with all without having to deal with the whole Star Trek you know history that you had to deal with. And I think I think that's that 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 already gives it something it has to sort of look up to and and satisfy those fans. I mean, obviously, it's it's going to bring a lot of people into the game to begin with because Star Trek's a big name, just like Star Wars and that. But to to whether or not that's going to end up as a good game or not, eh, well, we'll see. I guess we're still at least more than a year away, 2007, 8 maybe, for the game, I think. But we'll have to wait and see what how that all works out, Craig. I got a, uh, a quick email from somebody named Jim Wong. He's written to me before, I think. He just uh, was commenting on the whole enhanced podcast thing. He said he really likes that idea, and he has an iPod and everything. The I think I've talked about this a little bit already on, on Wednesday's show, but the, the end up or the end result, uh, if you noticed in the feed, you've got a uh, show 50, a regular one, and an enhanced one. And I was hoping to just get people's opinions on that, and it was kind of a one-shot thing. I don't really plan on doing many more of those. It will be a long time before I do another one. It takes a lot more work to do an enhanced show. And I think most people in general with podcasts just tend to just listen to them, the audio, you know, the audio uh, when they're in a car or doing things at home or whatever. So... Anyway, even though I think the visuals add a lot to the show, especially this one, I'm not sure that I can do that. And like I said, I think most people just listen to the audio. So don't really look for any more of those in the near future. But what I will say is, and I've put out one so far, I'm going to try to do more small little two, three-minute video reviews of collectibles and that. And when I do that, I will announce them on on both of the website and the podcast. And I think that's a good compromise. I think the replica reviews and that lend themselves a lot to, to a video production, and I think that will help that uh, situation rather than me just chatting about what I'm looking at, uh, have a little video so people can see it. So that's sort of the, the the way I'm going, I think, right now, at least with this whole idea. So, But thanks for your uh, email, Jim. And I think that that about wraps it up. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Jen, who won the contest last week for the Dax figure, uh, graciously offered. I, I asked her again and again, but she graci- graciously offered and said that she wanted to give and donate the Dax figure to me and my collection to thank me for all the podcasts and hard work and you know in her name and in everyone who listens to the show. So I just wanted to announce formally on, on the podcast to, to really thank Jen for that, uh, that that was very unexpected and very nice of her to do that, and it will will is sitting on my shelf now. The Dax figure, so I really appreciate that, Jen, and thanks to you and everyone. Uh, and like I said earlier in this in this show, I've got another contest coming up towards the end, so listen for that. And now we're going to switch to talk about Deep Space Nine, the episode duet. 
They say he butchered thousands. He commanded a forced labor camp. Now millions cry for justice. Let me know when you hang the Cardassian. But only one will stand against him. Look at the hate in her eyes. The war is over. How many Cardassians did you kill? We had no choice. But Kira's battle has just begun. He was there. He did it. On the next episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay, this uh, this episode again is uh, from Deep Space Nine, season one, very very much near the end of season one. The name of it's called Duet. This uh, let me let me give you some uh, backstory here a little bit. First, uh, by the end of the first season of Deep Space Nine, they they really I think established the characters very well, e- even better than they did I think in Next Generation. These are very strong characters, have a lot of history and a lot of background to their uh, characters, and I think that gave them a lot to work with, both for the the actors on the show and in the episodes that they did. The, especially, I think the character that's that's really uh, very prominently figured in this episode duet, which is uh, Kira Nerys, played by Nana Visitor. This um, this episode is is really a lot about her and and what she thinks about the Cardassians and so forth. Let me give you a, basically a brief synopsis. What they what happens in this episode if you're not familiar with it or haven't seen it in a while. Basically, Deep Space Nine uh, picks up. There's a a ship that comes by that has a Cardassian aboard who has this uh, illness, and they they want to bring him over to Deep Space Nine for some medical attention. But it turns out that that Kira and other people on the station believe that this this guy, this Cardassian, is a is a war criminal. He was um, assigned to a labor camp on on Bajor when the Cardassians occupied the planet. And since Kira was in the resistance and was very familiar with this this labor camp, uh, she helped with with the aid of the resistance that she was in, helped liberate the camp from the Cardassians. She knows of all the atrocities and war crimes and. It's it's really a sort of an allegory or uh, a very similar situation to say Nazi Germany and in the camps and things for the Jews in, in in Germany and that's what Star Trek is you know does a lot of throughout its history is is create a uh, futuristic episode but has some basis in in fact in in human history perhaps and that you know that's kind of what this what's going on here Kira they get this guy aboard deep space 9 she thinks he's this awful cartassian who did all these these terrible things to to her people and of course she wants she wants justice she wants vengeance and that that's basically what the episode is about and the reason it's called duet is that a lot of the episode takes place uh, in in the in the brig or the prison cells on deep space 9 where Kira interviews this guy and and they have this sort of back and forth exchange between them she asks him questions he tells her things and so forth and 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 there's a real good um, it's a real good situation because there's a lot of strong acting in this episode and a lot of good good stuff going on with her character and it, it, it does not turn out to be the way you would expect by the end of it which which is also good i think it, it's it's definitely a very strong emotional episode and i have to say right now i don't know there, I didn't even know whether I should say this or not, but there's a few clips in this audio portion of that I gathered from the episode 
that are that are pretty heavy in a way and maybe a little stronger than, than a typical Star Trek episode that I talk about. So I'm sort of warning about that a little bit, especially a couple of the early, early clips when they talk about what these Cardassians did in these labor camps and so forth. So I just kind of want to throw that out there. I, th- this show tends to be pretty PG, I think, but um, I wanted to mention that just in case, uh, depending on who's listening to the show and if there are very little children nearby, it's nothing you know, obviously the show was on, on regular television and, and they, you know, whatever, although, you know, there's a lot of things on regular television you might not want little kids to see. So let's just leave it at that. The, um, I'm going to play that the next clip here for you. This is in the early part of the episode. And this is a little bit about giving you some backstory, Kira talking about, um, what, what she thinks is, is up with this, uh, situation in this guy. So listen to this. So you're seeing this man, What's his name? Maritza. Eamon Maritza. You're saying Maritza's on the Bajoran's list for Cardassians wanted for war crimes. He's not on any list I've seen, Commander, and I've got them all. I don't care whether he's listed or not. Hold on, Major. Maritza's traveling on a Federation ship. He comes there for a medical emergency and we throw him into a security cell. I, for one, hope he's listed. Commander, I know what I've done isn't exactly policy. It may not even be legal, but it's right. All right, Major. What did we charge him with? I'm charging him with having contracted Kalinora. Do you want to explain that to me? The only way he could have contracted that condition was to have served at the Galatep labor camp at the time of the mining accident. So that makes him a war criminal just being there. Commander, if you'd been there 12 years ago when we liberated that camp, if you'd seen the things I saw, all those Bajoran bodies... Starved. Brutalized. You know what Cardassian policy was? Oh, I'm not even talking about the murder. Murder was just the end of the fun for them. First came the humiliation. Mothers raped in front of their children. Husbands beaten until their wives couldn't recognize them. Old people buried alive because they couldn't work anymore. So as, uh, as you can hear from that, it's uh, like I had said, this is, this is pretty powerful stuff. Uh, some pretty nasty things. And it's, I think it's important because the the thrust of the episode is, you know, if this guy did these things, you know, how do they deal with it? How do they punish him? You know, what what do they do? Is he is he remorseful for what he did? Uh, you know, lots lots of things. And obviously, Kira uh, is is very upset about this situation, and she wants you know, like I said, justice, vengeance, and and so on. And, and I've really always liked the Kira's character, Nana's visitor's uh, performance of the character. I think it's one of the best parts of Deep Space Nine. I think she had the most, uh, some of the most interesting things to do. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, she was very conflicted a lot of times, and that that I think makes for interesting television, interesting stories, and that that really is is brought out a lot in this particular episode. And she has a lot of good scenes with uh, the other. Um, I wanted to mention the main uh, guest star in this Maritza character is played by Harris Eulen, uh, a really good, wonderful character actor that's been in a, just a ton of stuff over the years. He's he's one of those guys that just you, you see him in a TV show or a movie, and he does he does good work, uh, and and you just kind of you know you see him again, and you go, oh yeah, I remember that guy from this. Uh, one, one thing I remember him from from because I, I'm a pretty big fan also of this show, was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know if people that listen to this podcast are familiar with that or watched it, but he was a um, he was like the head of the Watcher Council 
that came uh, occasionally to talk to Giles and Buffy on that show. And he always brings a certain sense of authority and presence, I think, to, to any part that he's been he's done. And he does a really good job as this Cardassian, this Maritza character in, in this episode duet. So I, I really uh, really wanted to uh, mention that and, and say they, they got two strong actors here to work against each other, work with each other, I guess, in this episode. And it really, really pays off. I think this is, um, for a lot of people, uh, especially for the first season of Deep Space Nine, not saying it was a bad year for episodes. They had some really good ones. But I think definitely this is this is a strong episode for Deep Space Nine, even if you look at the whole seven years uh, total. And the next clip that I want to play, this is a, a, a clip in the early part of the episode. Kira is starting to investigate and interrogate this Maritza character, the, the prisoner, in his cell and this is a little bit about the of the early part of that investigation that she's uh, interviewing and trying to get information from him so listen to this clip i had the distinction of serving in the exalted position of filing clerk filing clerk i told you you'd be disappointed actually i would have preferred to avoid military service altogether but i had the good fortune to be posted to the records office at galatep and i turned out to be an exemplary file clerk in 14 units of service i never misplaced or lost a record i received numerous commendations goldar heel himself called my computer filing system a masterpiece of meticulous exactitude well there you are my secrets out my crimes laid bare i await execution i hope we don't keep you waiting long so there you can hear Kira in her voice, you know, she she just wants to to take care of this guy and and get rid of him, execute him. She doesn't care what he was doing if he was at that camp, uh, this labor camp, no matter what his job was, if he was, you know, sweeping the floor or cleaning toilets or whatever his job was, he's guilty and you know, he's he's saying he's this Maritza, this file clerk guy, but it it turns this this episode twists and turns back and forth. They they discover some evidence, Kira and the rest of them, that maybe he is not this filing clerk guy after all, and that that is an interesting twist. And he's you get, keep in mind also that this guy has a, a a health condition, and he's dying anyway. So that that's something to keep in mind while you're listening to these clips and and thinking about this episode overall. So listen to um, the next one. It, it, it's not that much longer in the episode, but this is also um, Harris Eulen again as Maritza talking about himself. And things have changed a little bit about his story. So listen to this clip. Maritza was a magnificent file clerk. And I, Caldarheel, I hope you'll not think it immodest of me to say so, but I was a magnificent leader. Oh, you never saw Galatep at its height. For a labor camp, it was the very model of order and efficiency. And why? For that, you have to look to the top, to me. My word, my every glance was law. And the verdict was always the same, guilty. You're insane. Oh, no, no, Major. You can't dismiss me that easily. I did what had to be done. My men understood that, and that's why they loved me. I would order them to go out and kill Bajoran scum. And they'd do it. They'd murder them. And they come back covered in blood. But they felt clean. Now, why did they feel that way, Major? Because they were clean. You admit your atrocities. I admit everything. Why not? I was the best at what I did. My accomplishments speak for themselves. Can you say the same? 
You and that, that little shock car resistance cell that you belonged to, all you did was uh, annoy Cardassians while I was out exterminating Bajorans. Make sure you tell that to the tribunal. Oh, I will. And they'll sentence you to death. Let them. Don't you see it doesn't change anything? Kill me. Torture me. It doesn't matter. You've already lost, Major. You can never undo what I've accomplished. The dead will still be dead. So now he's uh, he's changed his, his tune quite a bit here. He's saying he's the gull that was in charge of this this prison camp and, and ordered and committed all these atrocities. And, of course, Kira is, is not happy about that. There's an, a good point or an important thing at the end of that clip where he's he's saying, and Harris Eulen is just great in that scene, but he's saying, you know, go ahead, do whatever you want to do to me. Try me, kill me, do, torture me, whatever. But what he has done, what he's he's saying was done in this his labor camp, can't be changed. It's, it's done. No matter what you do to me now, it's not going to bring back those people. It's not going to change what happened in the past. And that's that's a huge, I think, an important point to this episode that, you know, vengeance and, and this kind of thing doesn't change the past. It, you know, no matter what, I mean, it's kind of true these days. I mean, no matter, you know, people still, there's awful crimes committed all the time, of course. And, you know, the thing is, no matter what you do or what happens to the people that commit these, lock them up or other things that are done, it, it doesn't change what happened. It doesn't change what, what they've done at all. I guess the best thing you can do is hope that you can stop them from doing it again and and, and have some kind of, I guess, sort of relief to, to, to what had happened, you know, by either locking them up or I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, penal system talk or anything like that, but that, it, it's important. It's important to keep that in mind in this episode that these awful things have happened, and, and no matter what, you, you know, I think you even still hear these days of, of Nazis supposedly being found and tried or whatever is going on, but it, it really, no matter what what happens anymore, it doesn't make up for the past. It can never make up for the past. That That's that's an important thing, and I, I think that's, that's um, the critical or one of the things they're trying to get across in this episode. You know, this is definitely a message-type Star Trek episode. This isn't phaser battles and ships blasting each other and and that kind of thing. This this is this is again the the heart of Star Trek right here in this episode about people and their characters and and what they think about what they've done and, and a lot of things that are that are going on both between the Maritza character and and Kira and their they're really strong issues and deep issues, and it's why I really enjoy this episode. This this episode, by the end of it, gets me pretty choked up, and I'll admit that uh, I'm a guy, and I can admit that kind of stuff. So, uh, especially the next few clips that I'm going to play here very soon, which um, actually will go into the next one. The next one is with uh, Odo and Gul Dukat, who's the head Cartassian guy that, that runs throughout the course of Deep Space Nine that they always talk to quite a bit ends up coming to Deep Space Nine several times. This is a conversation between Odo and, and Dukat uh, over a communication channel and basically letting Odo know that, that the guy that they've got locked up isn't maybe who he's saying he is now. So listen to this clip. He says his name is Gull Darheel. Then he's lying. Well, if he is, it's the most foolish lie he could have invented. It's likely to get him executed. Why would anyone do such a thing? I don't know. But I tell you, I attended Darheel's funeral. 
You're sure the man you saw buried was Guldarheel? Half of Cardassia viewed his body. I saw a photograph of Guldarheel taken at the Galatep labor camp. It certainly appears to be the man we're holding. You're mistaken. Am I? This is obviously some plot to embarrass the Cardassian Empire. It's possible. Give me access to your files, and perhaps I can find some proof to support your claim that Guldarheel is dead. I suppose I could grant you limited access to the files. I think that's wise. Well, so there you go. So this guy's not Guldarheel, and well, then why would he be, why would you admit you are like this really super nasty guy? It'd be like some German, you know, 30 or 40 years later admitting he was Adolf Hitler. I mean, it, it amounts to that kind of situation. I mean, why would you admit you were the, one of the nastiest people in history in a, in a, in a war that took place? It's just, it doesn't make any sense to these guys in it, but there is a reason and you will hear that here shortly. There, there's a real powerful, strong reason for this, and it's it's really interesting. I really, really like um, the way they go with this. Okay, so, you know, like I said, this this is pretty strong stuff, and I'm going to play this this next clip, and this is this is pretty much the big big scene in the episode, or one of one of the biggest. Uh, this one's kind of a longer clip, couple minutes long, I think. Let me look there again. Yeah, two two minutes, four seconds, but. This is um, this is the thrust of the episode, and and listen to this. I I think it will explain itself, and it's it's really really uh, an emotional scene. So here you go. It's Maritza who's dead. Maritza, who was good for nothing but cowering under his bunk and weeping like a woman, who every night covered his ears because he couldn't bear to hear the screaming for mercy of the Pajoras. <laughs> Cover my ears every night, but I couldn't bear to hear those horrible screams. You have no idea what it's like to be a coward. <laughs> See these horrors and do nothing. But it's his dead, he deserves to be dead. What are you doing? I'm letting you go. Security! Get in here! You didn't commit those crimes. And you couldn't stop them. You were only one man. Oh, no, don't you see? I have to be punished. We all have to be punished. Major, you have to go out and tell them I'm Goldahil. It's the only way. Why are you doing this? For Cardassia. Cardassia will only survive if it stands in front of Bajor and admits the truth. My trial will force Cardassia to acknowledge its guilt. And we're guilty, all of us. My death is necessary. you're asking for is another murder enough good people have already died 
I won't help kill another. Well, so there, that scene is 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 pretty strong to me. The you know the the thing about this that happens here is you know Kira was at the beginning of this. She was out for blood. She was out for vengeance. She wanted this guy to die. She wanted him to pay for his crimes. And it, you know it turns out he he just he he wanted to die. He he could not stop them. He he fe- he felt so bad for what was happening to these you know Bujorans under this Cardassian rule and he and he feels he should have done something and he was a coward and he wants to die for that that he couldn't stop them and he also wants to make a statement to make Cardassia you know stand up and take notice for these awful things that they did and and kind of pay retribution so very very powerful and and you know like i said Kira's come full circle there she she now knows that all Cardassians are not evil. All Cardassians are not bad. Just, you know, again, it, you know, an analogy to, you know, Germany. I, I was in Germany last summer, and they, I think there are still people, especially maybe that, that remember World War II real strongly, that, that think all Germans are bad, all Germans are evil. And, you know, I, I have to say that I know this show goes out over the Internet, and I know people from around the world listen to it, and, I, you know, I... Prejudice and things like that, preconceived notions, and it's it's just evil and it's just nasty, and you need to work at just rooting it out of anyone or anything that you see it in. And if if I could teach my kids one thing, that's what I would try to teach them. I, so, whew, um, that's uh, that's the, this uh, that's what this story is all about. This episode duet. I've got one last clip to play for you, and this is at the very end of the episode, and I just have to kind of play it to close out the episode it's it's not a good thing but it's another important uh, message in this episode so listen to this uh clip oh i've just got to say this clip is uh taking place uh on uh, like promenade area where kira is escorting uh, maritza back uh, to his ship why he wasn't our heel. Why? He's a Cardassian. That's reason enough. No. It's not. Yeah, there is a... Uh a Bajoran that's on the promenade there that pulls out a knife and, and stabs Marissa in the back and and kills him just for being uh, Cardassian, just for being who he is, even though he he is obviously not your, you know, war criminal or the war criminal that they thought he was, did not do the things, um, you know, felt terrible for actually things that his people had done. So just... Uh, that's it, I guess. That it's it's a story about prejudice. It's a story about getting past things and realizing that even your enemies, some of your enemies, uh, you know, you know that kind of situation in a, in a in a war, they they're not all necessarily on the same side. They they do not necessarily go along with what their leaders want. They're they're stuck in an awful situation, and it's um, it's powerful stuff. So duet. Deep Space Nine Season 1, definitely uh, a highlight of Deep Space Nine in general for me. 
Okay, we're going to go on now into some other areas, a little more lighter things, I think. Uh, first thing I want to mention and, and announce is uh, the next contest. And this is, um, I think, going to be a good good question and trivia thing to ask for a, a contest. Let me uh, first say that what the prize is going to be. I have a sealed uh, DVD copy of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. This it will be given away to the the winner of the contest, and this is the question. Since the movie X Men Three is coming out next weekend, I thought this would be a, a, an appropriate question. Um, the the question is: You need to email me at treksf at gmail Two connections between the X Men films and Star Trek. Two connections. Uh, they're, one of them is real easy, and one of them is a little bit more obscure. But um, and, and there may be more than two connections, but I'm thinking of two main connections between Star Trek and the X-Men films. So email those to treksf at gmail.com, and the winner will get this uh, DVD. If I, again, if I do have more than one person correctly answering this, and I, I'm pretty sure that I will... I will randomly select on next week's show the uh, the winner out of the out of the people who get the correct answer. So there's your there's your question. Two connections between the X Men films and Star Trek. So that uh, that's the contest. Hope you do well. And we've got a few uh, announcements here that I'd like to mention before we talk about uh, some collectible things. Uh, the first one for uh, this Wednesday. There may or may not be a Wednesday show this week. If there is, it will just be a. Uh, Probably a fairly brief one. Like I mentioned, in a, I think last week or with the last couple of weeks, the Wednesday shows are going to be sort of sporadic, I think, for the next month or two. It won't necessarily always be every Wednesday that I'll have a midweek show, but I'd probably say every other Wednesday right now. I'm not really sure. Depends on what's going on in, in sci-fi news and, and other things. Speaking of sci-fi news, I did have a couple little tidbits I wanted to throw in. Unfortunately, I heard that the... Uh, NBC show Surface is not coming back next year. Actually, none of the shows that started, the sci-fi-ish type shows that started last fall, are returning. Surface is gone, Invasion is gone, Threshold is gone, Threshold, which Brent Spiner worked on. They're all gone, and you know I'm starting to get a little bit disappointed. Granted, they weren't all necessarily the best that they could be, but they didn't really get a chance, I think. And I'm starting to feel like in the fall, when... when new shows start up, sci-fi or even other types of shows, it's it's not even really much point in starting to watch these things because you never know if they're going to come back. I mean, Surface especially, it really ended with a lot of things unresolved, and it's kind of a big disappointment to me that it won't be back to to have a chance to to sort of take off on the things the whole season they spent setting a lot of things up, and now it's gone. So that's, that's a disappointment, but... Um, so that's the deal about Wednesdays. Next uh, weekend, there will be a, a Sunday show. Subject matter uh, still uh, going to be announced in the next day or two on the website. I will also mention that next uh, Saturday, for anyone that might be interested, I've announced this on the forums, but I am going to do another Skype conversation with any everyone that might want to participate. This is going to be at around 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Saturday, next Saturday, which is... May the 27th. Uh, we do it for about an hour. I'm planning on talking mainly about uh, the the summer films that are either out or coming out and 
what our kind of uh, we're all looking forward to. Hopefully, we'll talk a little bit about the X Men Three movie since hopefully I'm going to see it on opening night and talk about that a little and, and whatever else pops up. If you want to participate at all, I am on Skype. Uh, the my handle on Skype is Trek SF, which I've mentioned before. So that's uh, that's next Saturday. If you'd like to join in. I'm basically probably going to be starting around 1 o'clock, like I said, Eastern Daylight Time. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. And I think that's uh, that's mainly the announcements and things I wanted to talk about. For the collecting segment, the um, the collectible that I wanted to mention this week, and there are pictures up in the gallery, and I'll, I'll link it uh, in the podcast notes. I have... Uh, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I have quite a few things from the Franklin Mint. And one of the items that I have from the Franklin Mint is a Cardassian disruptor piece, which is like a their phaser or their blaster. This is um, also another uh, pewter, mainly pewter piece that, that the Franklin Mint, excuse me, Franklin Mint put out. And it's 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 very nice. It's very heavy, actually. It's got sort of chrome and, and gold-type accents to it. Again, the best way to do this is to look at it in the collector's gallery. I'll link it again in the podcast notes. But it's it's a sort of a curved handle shape uh, to it, and it's got a, a very pointed end. Uh, it, it's, it's a cool-looking weapon when they used them on the show. And, and this, uh, the, this item that the Franklin Mint put out, which I think I picked up off eBay a year or two ago, they didn't really make a lot of these, and they did a phaser and pewter, uh, and then this Cardassian. I think they did. A, they also did a Klingon disruptor. So they did some of the, uh, the some of the weapons from Star Trek in in this pewter metal, also, which makes them, like I said, very very heavy. But it comes on a nice stand, and uh, it's 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 a cool little item. And I think uh, if you're into Star Trek, it's yeah, they're pretty easy to find still on eBay. They're um, they're pretty available. So, uh, so take a look at the gallery and uh, take a look at the pictures there. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this look at, a, to me, a very powerful, strong, good episode of Deep Space Nine. We talked a little bit about that convention that I went to and some other topics. Uh, again, it's, it's always great to hear from you guys. If you want to email me at treksf at gmail.com and send me your comments. You can also send audio comments into the voicemail line at 206-88-TREKS. Or you can also always email a MP3 file, and it probably ends up on the show. But until next week, everyone have a nice, safe week, and I will be talking to you next time. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.